Hello and welcome to the May edition of the ESI Environmental Podcast. In this edition, we review current consultation and policy statements. We look at some of the environmental items hitting the news headlines and we give an update on the Water Resilience Project to make it easier for our clients to access the information and documents referenced. From this month, we are going to be including a share driver link with the information contained. We will still give the links within the podcast for those of you who are not yet ESI clients. But to start with, the UK government have issued a consultation to inform the development of the upcoming biomass strategy. They are seeking evidence on how sustainable biomass should be sourced and used to best support our net zero target. This call for evidence aims to strengthen the government's evidence base around biomass and will contribute to the review of the potential for biomass to support the UK's net zero target. Since the 2012 bioenergy strategy, biomass has played a prominent role in efforts to decarbonize the economy. However, the consultation states the context within which we use biomass has changed and we should now look system-wide at how and where sustainable biomass can best be used to meet the UK's net zero target. Those of you that subscribe to the ESI Environmental Podcast may recall the item in the February 2021 edition, Can't See the Wood for the Trees, when we looked at biomass boilers and the impact of the EU subsidies on fuel which was causing forests to be clear-cut. I think this can be characterised as the law of unintended consequences. The consultation asks for responses and states that the responses received will help inform future policy in this area, along with the future development of the biomass strategy. With evidence and views invited on the availability of sustainable biomass from domestic and international sources, the sustainability of the supply chain and opportunities for strengthening existing criteria, accounting of greenhouse gas emissions from biomass use, bioenergy and carbon capture and storage technology and its potential applications to deliver negative emissions and opportunities for innovation to support wider deployment of technologies with potential to support the net zero target. As part of this consultation, the UK government are particularly keen to hear from researchers and innovators, academics, investors, growers, industry, local authorities and think tanks. The consultation closes at 11.45pm on the 15th of June 2021 and details can be found at www.gov.uk forward slash government forward slash consultations forward slash role hyphen of hyphen biomass hyphen in hyphen achieving hyphen net hyphen zero hyphen call hyphen for hyphen evidence. And now you can see why I'm putting the links into a share drive. Next, a policy paper has been issued. Drought. How water companies plan for drier weather and drought. Water companies in England and Wales must produce a drought plan every five years under the Water Industry Act 1991 as amended by the Water Act 2003. A water company's plan must state how it will maintain a secure water supply and protect the environment during dry weather and drought. A water company's drought plan links to its strategic 25-year water resource management plan, details of which can be seen at water resource planning, colon, managing supply and demand. Brace yourself for another link, www.gov.uk forward slash government forward slash publications forward slash water hyphen resources hyphen planning hyphen managing 
hyphen supply hyphen and hyphen demand. The Environment Agency publishes a water company draft plan guideline and this guideline explains the process a water company is expected to follow and what it should include within its drought plan. The guidelines are updated every five years and consultations are updated via the gov.uk e-consultation tool. I will obtain a copy of the current guidelines on drought planning and make it available within the share drive. If you are not a client of ESI then you can email water-company-plan at environmentagency.gov.uk. As a brief outline, a water company must state the actions it will take to prepare for long dry periods of weather. And this plan should include the following. Drought triggers. Water companies should monitor various indicators of water availability. At certain points known as triggers, they will take action to manage supplies and water demand. The drought plan sets out what these triggers are and what actions will be taken. Some examples of these trigger points include rainfall levels, river flows, groundwater levels and reservoir stocks. A company should include triggers for all stages of a drought. The stages are normal, developing drought, drought, severe drought or recovering from drought. The next section is of particular importance to the leisure sector and a lot of our clients and it relates specifically to demand management, something that we'll be coming on to later on with the update on the water resilience project. A water company has to say what it will do to reduce the demand for water during drought. It should prioritise actions that save water before taking more water from the environment. This means that before applying for a drought permit to allow them to take more water, they need to take action to help their customers reduce demand and also to manage leaks and outage, such as water loss from maintaining company assets. Specific examples provided within the guidance include reducing leakage, carrying out water efficiency campaigns with customers, reducing mains pressure, restricting water use, for example through temporary use bans, again something that's of great concern to a lot of our clients because it provides the opportunity to limit hosepipe and sprinkler use for irrigation. The next element of the guidance looks at supply management action and a water company must explain how it will maintain water supply during a drought. It must prioritise supply action that will have the least effect on the environment. Examples that are provided again within the guidance for supply management actions include carrying out engineering work to improve its supply, transferring water in bulk from other water companies, using drought permits or drought orders to abstract more water, using desalination, permanent or temporary plants, using tankers, lorries to supply customers with water directly. The drought plan must also include details of all of the drought permits and orders a water company might apply for. A water company can apply for drought permits which allow it to take more water from the environment during a drought, drought orders which allow it to take more water from the environment or to restrict water use by other abstractors. As drought becomes more extreme, a water company has to explain what actions it would take in the event of a more severe drought event, these actions could delay the need for the use of emergency restrictions such as standpipes or rotor cuts. Communicating during a drought is essential and the water company must set out how it will communicate in a clear and timely way during a drought with customers, partners and other interested groups. It has to provide environmental assessment, monitoring and mitigation. 
a water company's drought plan has to include an environmental assessment, an environmental monitoring plan for each supply management action, details of the mitigation measures the company plans to take for each supply management action. At the end of the drought, the water company has to explain how it will identify when a drought is over or ending and the actions that it will take to communicate this information to its customers. And it has to review its performance both during and after the drought. Water companies consult on their draft drought plans every five years and customers and organisations can comment on them at that point. Water companies advertise their consultations on their websites. In the UK, you can also contact your water company via www.water.org.uk forward slash advice hyphen for hyphen customers forward slash find hyphen your hyphen supplier forward slash. Uh, and that'll provide you a little bit more information on your local suppliers. The government, environment agency and water companies have written a number of plans and strategies. Combined, they have to make sure that there is enough water for the future needs of both people and the environment. And the documents explain how they will achieve this. Firstly, a 25-year environment plan. The environment plan, available at www.gov.uk, UK forward slash government forward slash publications forward slash and this does have hyphens which I'll leave out on this occasion 25 year environment plan sets out the government's ambition to help the natural world regain and retain good health all plans and strategies mentioned in the document contribute to achieving the 25 year plan the river basin management plan sets out how the environment agency will make sure that the requirements of the water framework directive are complied with they provide the framework for managing water bodies and are produced for each of the eight river basin districts in England. The main objectives are stated to be preventing deterioration of ecological status of inland and coastal waters or ecological potential for artificial or heavily modified water bodies, restore water bodies to good ecological status or good ecological potential for heavily modified waters where necessary and prevent deterioration of the status of groundwater bodies. The river basin management plans set out a summary of the actions. This is known as the programme of measures. Water body flow is a supporting element to achieving good ecological standards. Therefore, abstraction licensing is one of several mechanisms that can be put in place to support river basin management plans and their objectives. The pressures that affect surface waters against their natural flow conditions are measured. Natural flow is unsurprisingly the flow that would occur if all artificial influences such as abstraction, discharges, discharges and flow regulation were not taking place. Following the assessment, each surface water body is assigned one of the following ecological statuses. High, good, moderate, poor or bad. In terms of water body ecological statuses, a high ecological status for a water body must show almost undisturbed conditions with no significant artificial influences or pollution pressures and have high biological quality. In England, targets for good ecological standards are set for water bodies unless an alternative objective can be justified through the river basin management plan process. The flow must be sufficient to support the river biology. We use the environmental flow indicator, EFI, to make sure that water bodies meet good ecological standards. Some water bodies have been designated artificial or heavily modified because they have been physically altered for a specific purpose, such as to supply water or generate power. 
They cannot be restored to good ecological standard without compromising that purpose. In this case, the objective is good ecological potential. If the water body has been designated artificial or heavily modified for water resource purposes, the assessment of status on the presence or absence of measures that reduce the effect is made. Heavily modified water bodies, they like their acronyms HMWBs, that have been designated for non-water resource purposes must comply with environmental flow indicators. A groundwater body can also be classed as either good or poor based on its chemical status and groundwater abstraction pressures. Abstraction pressures are assessed based on current groundwater abstraction impacts on each groundwater body. The Water Abstraction Plan 2017 sets out how water abstraction management will reform over the coming years. It states how this will protect the environment and improve access to waters in line with the regional river basin management plans. The Abstraction Plan 2017 has three key parts. Firstly, to address unsustainable abstraction. Secondly, to develop a stronger catchment focus. And thirdly, to modernise regulation. And looking at each of those key elements in turn, addressing unsustainable abstraction. An abstraction licence is unsustainable if the River Basin Management Plan action cannot be achieved because it contributes to a reason for not achieving the water body flow objective. It has caused or contributed to deterioration against the current River Basin Management Plan baseline, increasing abstraction within the limits of the license risks deterioration. It is also considered unsustainable if it is affecting or could affect site designated under the Conservation of Habitats and Species Regulations 2017. If it is affecting or could affect a site designation under the Wildlife and Countryside Act 1981, if it could compromise biodiversity, the measures available to resolve environmental issues caused by abstraction include reducing authorised abstraction licences, to redistribute abstraction among existing sources within a catchment, introduce or change flow or level constraints, non-licence changes such as river restoration, riverbed sealing, making barriers passable for migratory fish, changes to wetland management, or more efficient use of water. In terms of the changes to abstraction licenses, again of great interest to a lot of our clients, licenses may be changed by asking license holders to voluntarily cancel or revoke or vary their licenses under section 51 of the Water Resource Act 1991, use powers under section 52 of the Water Resource Act 1991 to modify or cancel a license, use the Water Industry National Environment Programme for water company abstractions, review time-limited licences through the environmental sustainability test at renewal or bringing previously exempt abstraction into regulation through conditions included on the grant of a transitional licence or at a later date when a transitional licence expires and an abstractor applies for a replacement licence. Water body objectives and measures will determine the extent of any licence changes required and at this stage the Environment Agency are certainly seeking voluntary solutions with licence holders and other non-licensed changes to deal with unsustainable permanent licences. And there is certainly a commitment at the moment to address serious damage and actual at-risk water bodies under the abstraction plans. There is 
a requirement to safeguard designated sites. Changes to licences to protect sites designated under the Conservation of Habitats and Species Regulations 2017 need to be sufficient to enable them to conclude no adverse effect on the integrity of the site. The timescales for action must align with those for achieving water body objectives in the river basin management plans. It may not always be possible to take action on all unsustainable licences in a catchment at the same time because of the timing of catchment common end dates, overriding legal obligations such as habitats regulation or the need to prevent deterioration. Long-term investment is required for safeguarding the security of essential public water supplies. Historical exempt abstraction potentially allowed unlimited amounts of water to be taken, irrespective of the availability or the impact on the environment. The water resources open brackets, transitional provision close brackets, regulations 2017, remove the majority of previous exemptions from license control from the 1st of January 2018. All of this has led to the development of a much stronger catchment focus, working much more with local stakeholders to embed water resource into the catchment-based approach to support making abstraction sustainable and improve access to water where needed, empowering local groups to lead innovation and consensus-based decisions that can be quicker than taking the regulatory approach and deliver wider benefits for people and the environment. Different catchments have very different characteristics and needs, so solutions have to be tailored to each catchment issue. The Environment Agency are currently trialling a number of projects to find the best way to carry out this approach through the Priority Catchment Programme. And this document highlights the five-stage approach that the Environment Agency wish to take, which is firstly to engage to understand local issues and challenges. Secondly, to co-develop voluntary solutions to environmental pressures on shortages of supply. Thirdly, to agree and capture actions in abstraction license strategies. Next, carry out actions including regulatory changes where necessary. And finally, to evaluate the approach and apply lessons learned. This programme has started with four priority catchments in 2018, which all had insufficient water available to meet the needs of abstractors. They were Idle and Torn in the East Midlands, South 40 Foot in Lincolnshire, Cam and Ely Ooze in East Anglia, and East Suffolk in East Anglia. In 2019, further catchments were added, including the Wye in Herefordshire, the Brew in Somerset, the Arran and Western Streams in Sussex, Till and Tweed in Northumbria, Alt and Crossens in Lancashire, and the Otter in Devon. In each catchment, all main abstraction sectors, local government and environmental non-government organisations in the local communities are working together. They are trialling new approaches to resolve environmental issues and improve access to water now and in the future. Some examples that are provided within this document include better use of high flows for abstraction, streamlining the process of licensed trading, holding water back on land to help top-up groundwater storage for later abstraction, commonly known as artificial recharge schemes, improving how abstraction sectors share surface water resources, for example by better communication, farmers and other abstractors combining or aggregating their abstractions and managing resources, sharing within the limits authorised by the Environment Agency, using digital technology to more quickly notify abstractors of flow restrictions. In December 2020, the EA used outputs from trials 
projects and case studies to publish the first four priority catchment abstraction licensing strategies, highlighting that they would use the same approach to update the next six priority catchment abstraction licensing strategies by December 2021 and all remaining catchments by 2027. Learn from this work and look to expand these ideas to other catchments and to work towards getting general agreement for change monitoring progress and if required review the approach the abstraction open brackets water resources close brackets working group supports this work it is one of several catchment based working groups that underpin partners working together for coordinated management of river catchments and then referring back to the national framework for water resource which sets out how the regional groups that we're working with as part of the water resilience project should improve links between abstraction management locally and strategic planning regionally through the catchment based approach. Changes are coming and the options as to how abstraction licensing will be changed are being discussed. If you would like to get involved in this then the link is www.gov.uk forward slash government forward slash publications forward slash managing hyphen water hyphen abstraction or alternatively get in touch with me. My name's Tony Hanson, my email address is thanson at esinternational.co.uk. So that was quite a long consultations and policy statement section for the podcast for this month, but you'll forgive me, there is quite a lot going on at the moment, particularly looking at water availability, abstraction and resource management. So moving on and in the news, an article in The Guardian by Patrick Barkham caught my eye, primarily because it follows on from a lot of the discussions and consultations that we've just gone through within this podcast. The article highlights a proposal to build a desalination plant in the New Forest National Park and designed to provide drinking water for Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. However, the plans have been widely condemned by campaigners, including Chris Packham, and a separate petition against the plan has attracted several thousand signatures. Southern Water's proposal for the £600 million plant is for a development at Forley, and the water company said that the plant would enable them to extract less water from ecologically sensitive chalk streams such as the Test and the Itchin, and it provides one possible option in the face of the projections of Britain's total water supply to drop by 7% by 2045. Residents objecting to the plant have said that it is bizarre and an expensive solution. It is an interesting article, but I think the wider issues that we have to face as a society is to look at how we're using water. The south of England can, I think, now be characterised as being an arid area, and our water consumption per person has increased by 100% in the last 50 years. Nobody can argue that we have an obligation to protect the natural environment and the ecology of the chalk stream systems that we have in the south of England predominantly, and which represent as I understand it, around 80% of the chalk streams across the world. So we do have that need to reduce our abstraction of water and the impacts that that will have on chalk streams. But from the perspective of water use, it means that as a society, we have to change. We have to reduce our consumption. We have to consider very carefully how we use a very scarce resource. And I don't believe that at the moment we have a full understanding of how scarce a resource we're dealing with. A £600 million desalination plant, which is incredibly energy hungry, is one option. The other option is that we 
reduce our per capita consumption of water so that there is no need for a £600 million desalination plant at Forley. And I think that is the bit that reading this article I see is that we are missing the point. If we continue to consume water at the rates that we are currently and we do not consider the use of that water, then plants like the desalination plant proposed by Southern Water are going to be a requirement for a lot of water companies in the UK. And as part of the wider problems surrounding this, we also have to look at the planning system at the moment. And there are requirements for water efficiency within new builds, but very often developers will put in the minimum requirement. Rainwater recycling and harvesting for non-potable use within new residential developments should be standard it should be a legal requirement but currently it isn't however retrofitting that sort of technology into an existing building is very difficult so that will then rely on individual consideration of how they use water and at the moment water is a very very cheap commodity if you have any comments or thoughts then please let me know next up just a quick update on weekly water source who are running a project that we highlighted in the December edition of the ESI Environmental Podcast, if you'd like to have a quick look back at that one. And it's just a reminder that their regional pilot is live. So this is a market trial for an industry-wide solution to help local environments. The project's funded by Anglian Water and Essex and Suffolk Water, with the support of Water Resource East, and provides a software-based solution to communicate, manage, and broker water trades of abstraction licenses in the East Anglian region. If you'd like more information or if indeed if you'd like to get involved in the trial in the East Anglian region then please contact Wheatley Water Source. Their website is www.wheatleysolutions that's w-h-e-a-t-l-e-y solutions.co.uk forward slash products forward slash Wheatley hyphen water source. And the final item of the May edition of the ESI Environmental Podcast is an update on the water use and resilience in the leisure sector project that we've been running. Regular listeners and subscribers to the podcast will be aware of the project, but for anyone who is new listening to this, ESI has been retained by the water industry in England and Wales to identify and quantify the water use and consumption in the leisure sector for turf grass irrigation to engage and collaborate with representative bodies, uh, representative associations, professional bodies that represent the operators and have members involved in turf management and to co-create with those associations a strategy and toolkit to help their operators and members reduce their reliance on mains water consumption and to reduce their overall consumption or requirement for water for turf grass. Our clients on this project include Affinity Water, Anglian Water, Essex and Suffolk Water, Northumbrian Water, Portsmouth Water, SES Water, Seven Trent, South East Water, South Staffordshire Water, South West Water, Southern Water, Thames Water, United Utilities, Welsh Water, Wessex Water, Yorkshire Water, Water Resource East, Water Resource South East, West Country Water Resource, Water Resource North and Water Resource West. And the water resource groups at the end of that list are organisations that are jointly run by the Environment Agency and the water companies in the particular regions to help the implementation of the National Framework for Water Resource, which was adopted by DEFRA, the Environment Agency and the water companies in March of 2020. The National Framework identified significant shortfalls in water supply across 
the five regions and the five regional groups areas and provided the regional water resource groups and the water companies with a set of criteria as guidance for the implementation of the national framework for water resource at regional levels within their own catchments. The water use and resilience in the leisure sector project that we are running started on the 1st of December 2020 and we are due to report to the water company, regional water resource groups and the environment agency at the end of May. So we are currently towards the final stages of the project. And over the five and a half months that the project has run so far, we have engaged with, had meetings with, corresponded by email and had various telephone conversations with the British and National Golf Greenkeepers Association, BASIS, the British Association for Sustainability and Sport, British Horse Racing Authority, Club Managers Association of Europe, Cranfield University, England and Wales Cricket Board, England Golf, representatives for the English County Golf Unions, the Football Association and County Associations, the Golf Club Managers Association, Grounds Management Association, National Association of Public Golf Courses, the Jockey Club, the Lawn Tennis Association, Professional Golfers Association, the Racecourse Association, Rugby Football Union, Sport England, UK Golf Federation and Wales Golf. Each of these associations has a slightly different access point or leverage with members and the discussions that we've had have been wide ranging. But the key message that we're trying to get across is that there is a requirement to reduce the consumption of water for leisure turf irrigation and the dependence of many of the sectors on Maine's potable supply is not sustainable going forwards. So the project's purpose is really to highlight water use as an issue and potentially as a limiting factor to the sustainability of various leisure industries and sectors that are reliant on irrigation of turf grass and to help co-create strategies and action plans to help their members to reduce reliance on a water supply which is contracting. As part of the project we've been working with the leisure sector and also with the water industry to develop a range of advice and tools looking at agronomy, how turf grass is managed to help reduce its requirement for water. Looking at the technologies available that may help you to reduce the amount of water that you need to use to improve efficiency. To look at alternative sources of water, whether that's rainwater harvesting, greywater harvesting or effluent reuse. But also to look at on-site storage of water and the potential for land drainage and retention. So creating attenuation, either formal or informal reservoirs. And finally, to identify potential sources of funding. The sort of projects that may be required to achieve water resilience for many leisure sectors are going to be relatively expensive. So the key elements for the project were to engage, to work with the associations to find strategies and methods to work with their membership to create awareness to improve education around water resource and to provide the tools and information that operators need to reduce their water consumption and to find alternatives and to implement projects that will help to reduce their consumption of water to protect their futures. In the summer of 2020, with the lockdown in full swing, many water companies were processing water as quickly as they could. They were reaching full capacity or process capacity on the provision of mains potable water. Water was being taken out more quickly than they could process it to put it into the mains. And some areas of the UK suffered low pressure. So there were restrictions to domestic supply in some areas. And 2021, with the restrictions on travel and the likelihood of staycations once again, 
mean that the water companies are again expecting to be at full capacity, that they will not have spare process capacity to put water into the main system, and that therefore it is entirely likely that if we have a similar summer to 2020, that there will be a need for temporary use bans for restriction on turf grass irrigation, and even the potential for hands-off notifications for abstraction licences, if the need for water is there for abstraction to use for potable use. We have no choice now. Water is a scarce resource. We are going to have to look very closely at how water is allocated going forwards, and that is partly the job of the National Framework for Water Resource and the Regional Water Resource Groups and Water Companies. And the process that they're going through at the moment with consultations of similar types to the Water Use and Resilience Project for the leisure sector is one of the tools that they will use to inform their decisions about the allocation of water going forwards. So protecting the future of the leisure sector, shielding yourself from potential restrictions of mains supply, having your own source of water, having your own reservoir on site is going to become critical for the survival of many leisure sector organisations and operators. We are still currently in the report writing phase, but part of the process with report writing is that we do need to identify the current situation and make recommendations to the water company and environment agency about how the market could be adjusted to ensure that there are meaningful changes to the consumption of water in the leisure sector and a transition away from mains potable water into more sustainable sources. If you would like to comment, then please contact me. My email address is thanson at esinternational.co.uk. The project is running to look at water use in England and Wales only currently, but your thoughts and ideas would be welcome. And that brings us to the end of the May edition of the ESI Environmental Podcast. Please do remember to subscribe so that you get notifications of new editions as they become live. And if you would like us to look at a specific issue or topic around environmental management or sustainability within the leisure or commercial property sectors, then please get in touch. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you again next month.